over, but the night has just begun. This is WTMJ Nights, live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at the Avenue. Here's your host, Brian Noonan. Happy Taco Tuesday. Glad you're with us. Big show planned. We're only here for an hour, so let's get to it. 855-616-1620 is the WTMJ Talk and Text Line. If you call in, avail yourself of telling Matt hello, tell him bon voyage, wish him well. Uh, we will get into this more later, but it is a sad night here on WTMJ Nights. Uh, Matt and my last show together, he is off to bigger and better things to seek his fortune. We'll get all the details in a little bit. Uh, and if you want to text in, let's do that. Let's text in and answer the text question of the night. Should President Biden listen to Senate Democrats and legalize marijuana federally? And if he does, how do you think it will affect the election in November? Mm, Two-part text question of the night. Matt, I mentioned this. We're going to talk about it later. I want to hear. I, I know the people who listen to the show and have listened since you've been with us are going to want to know all the details. But this is, uh, is bittersweet tonight as it is our final show together because you're off tomorrow night and I'm off Thursday night. So this is it. Yeah, it's... Uh... You know, we're going to have to get some boys to men going end of the road, but uh, <laughs> go. we still got an hour left, so uh, we we're going to make the best of it. We are, and I want to start because last week uh, when we talked to Justin Garcia, you um, laid out your conspiracy theory, about, and, and you laid it out for Brandon Snide, too, uh, about... Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey and the NFL, and there's a lot of crazy, wild rumors going around, not the least of which is uh, by the far-right, far-maga-maga-maga-rights, who are now saying that the NFL and uh, Joe Biden and Taylor Swift are a psyop, and they're trying to get them all uh, together to coalesce to then uh, try to influence the election. I know your conspiracy theory is not uh, nearly that crazy, but... Uh, Remind us of it and tell us now that we have the San Francisco 49ers and the Kansas City Chiefs in the Super Bowl. What is going to happen? What you think is going to happen? Figured I set the mood first. Yeah, please. I predicted back on December the 6th, just days after, the Green Bay Packers defeated the Kansas City Chiefs at Lambeau Field. That Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey, and this ragtag group of Kansas City Chiefs receivers were going to find themselves in Las Vegas for the Super Bowl. This also came right after we had a conversation about Taylor Swift earning Time Magazine's Person of the Year. And we put two and two together, and I was like, you know what? The NFL is, this is the perfect situation. You get Taylor Swift. And the Kansas City Chiefs, turn, Travis turn your Kelsey, music down a little bit. Taylor Swift is drowning you out in the Super Bowl, and in a week and a half, we're gonna see the final piece of the puzzle, and that is a picture that might circulate all over social media, the world. You know, it might be the biggest picture of the century, and that is a picture of Travis Kelsey, Taylor Swift. And the Lombardi Trophy. <laughs> you think that? So you're not predicting a, uh, you're not predicting a proposal. You're predicting them holding up the uh, Lombardi Trophy together. 
I'm not going that far. I, they've only been dating for as far as we know what since week not three, week four against the Bears. Yeah, not so no. If they if that was a proposal, I don't have that on my bingo card. I okay, just have good. a simple photo because you look at this. This is the NFL's version of the football captain and the head cheerleader. <laughs> when is the That's next true. time they're going to get this? Well, I I, I do know. have a counter theory though. Please share. And I tweeted this earlier. It was released today by ESPN's Adam Schefter that the Kansas City Chiefs will be donning their red jerseys in Las Vegas. That does not favor Kansas City. The team that wears white is 15-3 in the last 18 Super Bowls and has won 37 of 57 Super Bowls. Really? Teams that wear red are 6-7. In big games, most recently, Kansas City falling to Tampa Bay, Tom Brady, in Super Bowl 55. Wow. So the All uniform right, luck favors the 49ers. How do they decide who wears what? So it rotates year in and year out. This year, the AFC and the Chiefs are the designated home team. Okay, However, so they the home right. team gets to decide what jersey they wear. We saw this twice within the past 10 years, or now maybe 11 years, dating a little bit, where the home team actually chose to wear white. We saw it in Super Bowl 55, where the Buccaneers were the home team. Sure. They chose to wear white. And we saw it in mm. Super Bowl 50, the Denver Broncos were the home team, and they chose to wear white because of this stat. All right, can I throw another conspiracy log on your big conspiracy bonfire? Oh, maybe yeah. Maybe Taylor's favorite color is red. No, she has the album red. Maybe that's why. Maybe it's all it's all tied in. She loves red. Maybe Travis looks better in red than he does in white. And uh, somehow the NFL is just giving that to them. And the Kansas City brass went, you know what, why not? Let's let the uh, young lady have her favorite color out there. You never know. And there's only one way to find out. This is a week and a half from Sunday. All right, let me, let me ask you this. Now, you know I have no problem with... I'm happy Taylor Swift is going to the Chiefs game. I'm happy she's supporting her boyfriend. I have no problem with them taking shots of her in the uh, in the bo- the box while she's cheering because let's be honest, they take shots of all kinds of people in the boxes. Sometimes it's the owners, sometimes it's GMs, sometimes it's other celebrities. It's uh, there's all kinds of things. But for some reason, and I, you know, I have a number of theories. One is uh, that Taylor Swift threatens some of uh, the men who watch football because uh, of her political views and her popularity and the fact that she's a bazillionaire and the fact that she can give huge bonuses. They're just threatened by her. And I think that's the biggest thing. But I also think there's some, uh, some people who don't like the fact that Taylor Swift is a Democrat, that she is against the former president, that she last election endorsed Joe Biden. So there's people who are upset with her about that. But the big thing is everybody complains. She's on the TV all the time. You've heard this, Matt. Oh, she's on the TV all the time. She should be. Well, is she really, though? No, she's on the TV. They don't go out of their way to show her. She's only shown when Kelsey makes a big play. I have actually... The amount of time she was on 
screen on Sunday's uh, AFC Championship game, Chiefs-Ravens, where she famously said, go away, she mouthed, go away, please, when CBS took a shot of her while they were promoting the Grammy Awards. That's a pretty fitting time to show That's a Taylor good Swift. shot decision. Right. How much total time do you think Taylor Swift was actually on screen Sunday? Less than 90 seconds. You are correct. How much less than 90 seconds? Uh, well, Jim Nance briskly read through the Grammys promo, so let's go a minute and four seconds. She was on screen for 44 seconds total out of the three-hour broadcast. It's nothing. 44 seconds. Now, this is this is was done by a self-described, this was in de- on deadline today, a self-described football and marketing analyst named Jason Pauley used his stopwatch, went through, and watched the game again and timed how much Taylor Swift was on screen. 44 seconds. So that means the remaining 99.61% of the more than three-hour broadcast was devoted to football, commercials, and everything else. Um, There were shots of dolphins and jellyfish at the local aquarium. That was 24 seconds. That's more than half of Taylor's time. Uh, A four-second shot of Ravens uh, head coach Jim Harbaugh's dad. So, you know, there's four seconds there. So 0.39% of the total uh, telecast was Taylor Swift. <laughs> and everybody's everybody makes it sound like, you know, they missed the fourth quarter because they were just focusing on Taylor Swift no. in the box. Honestly, and it's ridiculous. CBS spent more time focusing on the crying kid from the Northwestern game in the NCAA tournament a few years back than they did on Taylor <laughs> Swift against Gonzaga. Well, that was one game though. This is this is oh, this is every week, and now is she is she going to fly back for the? But the director is not taking any rash decisions by showing her. It's all logical. It's very you know, she's a huge, she's the biggest pop star in the world. He's one of the top players in the NFL. They're playing for the Super Bowl. Of course, they're they're dating. You know, we see shots of uh, you know, Patrick Mahomes' wife. We see shots of other people. I just I. Stop. Just relax. If you're going to watch the Super Bowl and Taylor Swift is there, she's going to be on camera. Maybe, maybe they'll make it all the way to a minute out of your entire Super Bowl Sunday broadcast. I have an idea. She might be on screen for a minute. Let's make it interesting. We see prop bets all the time. Oh, they've already got a prop bet about the engagement. Ooh, there's one on the engagement? Yeah, there's one on the engagement. There's probably going to be a prop bet on how much time she's on screen. And over under a Taylor Swift I'd set parlay. the over now at fifty seconds. I'd, say I'd set the line at fifty. Since it was forty four for the championship game, we'll put it at fifty. I'll take I'll take the over during the Super Bowl. Yes, only because there's going to be more Grammy. Oh no, the Grammys will be over. The Grammys will be over. The thing is, though, what if she wins? Though, but still. They're going to show her more than 50 seconds. And it honestly depends how many times Travis Kelsey impacts the game. Because they're not going to show her for no reason. However, let's say Travis Kelsey has one of the worst games of his career and the Chiefs still win. (laughs) Right. 
I'd be willing to say we're under the four-minute mark. Kansas City's up by two scores with the ball. I'm not saying this is going to be the situation, but if it is, all right, then we're going to start seeing that, that director take shots of Taylor Swift. Of course, so yes. If they and if they win, there'll be a shot of the box. Because guess what, Jason Kelsey will be up there. Uh, Taylor will be up there. Mom and Dad will be up there. The whole Kelsey crew will be up there. So yes, there will be shots that Taylor Swift will be in. Ooh, now somebody uh, from the two six two. Taylor wears red lipstick, so that may have to be hmm. Six and seven to... record in Super Bowls for teams that wear red. Yeah, but they don't have they don't have all the Swifties throwing that good karma out there. Yeah, they've all lost what. They're one in four in their last uh, five instances of teams that wear red. Well, listen, rules are meant to be broken. All right, let's take a quick break because uh, if you're thinking, hey, man, I'm going to jet out to Vegas and go to the game, you best be making some Taylor Swift money. Uh, we'll talk about that. We've got a response to a text question of the night, which is, should President Biden listen to a Senate Democrats and legalize marijuana federally? And if so, do you think that will affect the election in November? 855-616-1620. That's the WTMJ Talk and Text Line. This is WTMJ Nights. Brian Noonan, WTMJ Nights, here until 8 o'clock. All right, we were uh, talking a little bit of Super Bowl, the uh, the amount of time Taylor Swift was on television, despite, uh, according to one texter, the imagined attacks. Uh Texter from the 262, you must not be listening to any sports radio, reading any social media. A lot of people, uh, football fans, very upset that she's allegedly being shown so much. But ticket prices for this year's Super Bowl are 70% more expensive than last year's game. The average price for tickets right now, now granted it's two weeks out, $9,800. The current get-in price, which is the cheapest ticket available, $8,188. That's more than 50% more expensive than the cheapest ticket last year to the Super Bowl, which was $59.97. The Chiefs are going, you know this, fourth time in five years. Last time they faced the 49ers in the Super Bowl was 2020, when the Chiefs mounted a comeback and and won the game. Let's hope it is also not the beginning of uh, another uh, pandemic. That happened to be the right before right before the world shut down. So that game had, up until this point, had been the most expensive. They're saying, though, that because it's in Las Vegas, that is leading to an uptick in prices, too, because uh, Las Vegas has started to become the mecca, the sports capital of the U.S. And so... That's it. Uh, Ticket prices might decline, they say, but not like in some years where there's going to be a big drop as the game gets closer for, you know, upper deck tickets and things like that. They say there's going to be a little bit of a dip, but the prices will stay. They predict the prices will stay pretty much the same. And um, there is some fatigue, according to TickPick and the other ticket brokers, uh, with Chiefs fans. Because people are, that this is the thing. We love in this country to build uh, build things up and then tear them down. You know, if you look, there were some graphics the other day. Matt, I'm sure you saw this. Back when the Chiefs were first, uh, you know, five years ago, when they were getting into the Super Bowl for the first time, or, you know, 
most of the country was like, yeah, the Chiefs. Everybody was back in the Chiefs. Now, no, they're not. They're no people. The people people like a winner until they win too much, and then we say, no, no, there shall be no more winners. We can't like them anymore. They have to go away. That is uh, that is that. Uh, let's see our text question of the night from the two six two. First of all, they're wishing you good luck and best wishes, Matt. Uh, and then saying, though I'm personally not a marijuana user or fan, I think it's confusing and wrong to have the feds outlaw what most people want and most individual states permit. So we're President Biden to accomplish removal of the federal penalties for recreational marijuana use. I'm certain citizens will rejoice and it'll greatly enhance Biden's reelection prospects. Yeah, I think it would uh, bring some younger voters in. Because it is very confusing. Forty states in the District of Columbia have legal cannabis. Uh, it's still outlawed overall federally. That's why that's why dispensaries and stuff have to deal in cash um, or or credit cards rather, not cash, because banks still because banks are federally regulated can't accept deposits. Couple banks have tried, and uh, there's a little progress being made in that area, but uh, not too much. So that's uh, that's it. I think it, you know at this point. Well, first of all, they're trying to get they're trying to get marijuana off the uh, the substance list that includes uh, I think it's Schedule One narcotics like heroin. Uh, I think even the most ardent anti-cannabis person would uh, would have to admit that marijuana and heroin are 180 degrees apart. That would, uh, so we'll see. Uh, Senate Democrats still pushing for that. That's the text question of the night, if you want to jump in on that. Uh, We'll do this, and then we'll come back, and it'll be news time on WTMJ Nights. It's Brian Noonan here until 8 o'clock. Then it's Bucks Weekly with our man Justin Garcia. It's Justin's birthday today. So get ready to call in to Bucks Weekly with and sing him every birthday song you know. No matter what you tell uh no matter what you tell Matt that you want to talk about, don't don't lie to Matt. But tell Matt you want to, you know, you gotta ask Justin about Giannis, uh, you know, and his left pinky, whatever it is. And um have that have that ready, but then throw Justin a couple chords of Happy Birthday or na 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 na, just to uh, you know keep things interesting. All right, you've heard people say, maybe you've said this yourself. Hey man, it's not my job. Is there a point where your technical job description needs to be put aside so you can be a good human being? That seems to be what this case in uh, Milwaukee has come down to. Uh, you may have heard part of the new the press conference today. You may have heard uh, on the news some some of the quotes, but this was a private ambulance crew that didn't get out of their ambulance to look for a woman who died of hypothermia at a bus stop. Now, long story short, woman calls. Woman calls 911. She's on her way home from work. She slips and falls and hits her head at a bus stop. She calls 911. Uh, they send a private ambulance from Curtis Ambulance. And the Curtis Ambulance drivers drive by. They drive, uh, they drive through the intersection a couple of times. And they don't see the woman because uh, she had fallen between 
a snowdrift and a garbage can and uh, an electrical box. So you couldn't see her from the street. Then, about 22 minutes later, two people walk by and they see this woman laying there on the sidewalk and they call 911 again. A, the paramedics are dispatched. They find her because one of the people who called stayed there with this woman's body and, pardon me, and then, um, but by that time she was dead because the day the day that this happened, it was when the wind chills were like 24 below zero. Joanne Wal Jolene Waldruff is this woman's name. Um, she was from South Milwaukee. The head of the ambulance company said, no, everything, uh, Dan uh, Robokowski is his name, said that, uh, you know, they did everything right. They followed their protocol. They are not, they, you know, they're not required to get out of the ambulance to go look for people. Uh, in the past, people, they get false calls to bus stops all the time. People, uh, you know, people will call and then, the, you know, a bus will come and they'll just get on the bus. So it wastes the ambulance's time. Uh, they, he said, well, you know, we get a lot of calls in a day. What are we going to do? Spend, uh, you know, spend time getting out. We would have had to check all four bus stops. So all four corners of this intersection. I don't think that's a great defense. There's no defense for this. It, it's not. You've got, first of all, you've got unbelievably horrible weather. You've got weather where we're telling people not to go out. This woman had called and said she fell. If you stop, what's it going to take? You, whoever's driving, the, the other person jumps out. You look at the corner, nothing. You run across the street, nothing. You're cold for a couple seconds. You get back in the heated ambulance. Um, it just, I don't know how you can stand behind your company policy when somebody died. And, and then he said, well, listen, you know, we looked at this and we're not going to change our policy. It's a, it's a series of unfortunate events. In re, it's the reality of what we deal with in EMS every day of the year. Um, I just, I don't know. I, I would like to see a little uh, contrition. I would like to see, even if you, I guess you can't, you can't uh, suspend the drivers because if this is actually the policy, they were following policy. But I find it hard to believe if I'm, if I'm an ambulance driver, paramedic, and that's what I've chosen to do is to help people, and I get a call on a day when the wind chills are over 20 degrees below zero that there's a woman who called, I'm going to take that couple minutes and get out and look, especially because there's snow drifts so you can't see the sidewalk, and if somebody says they fell, there's a pretty good chance they're on the sidewalk. Am I, I, you know, I don't think I'm crazy by feeling this way. Matt, you said there's, you, you jumped in, said there's no defense. I don't know how you can, it's like, I was just following orders, man. It's, it's horrible. I don't know the situation enough to comment on behalf of the driver and the crew, but it's the company's response that drives me up a wall here. 
Well, that's it. It's because you, you know, like if, I said, if they it, are truly following policy, which that shouldn't be the policy, and also what makes me mad at the driver is that the crew should know that if you're getting a call from somebody, you should go out, look, and finish your job. You shouldn't just take it at half speed. I'm not, you know, listen, the driver and the, and the, the other, the, I'm guessing there's two people. Mostly there's at least two people in the ambulance. All right. If this is the policy that we don't get out at every corner, that's fine. But that's got to be when you can see the sidewalk, when you have a, a confirmed visual of the place that somebody said they were hurt, then, okay, you don't get out. You drive by, nothing's there. There's a big difference between looking at a, a corner when there's no drifts and nothing blocking your view. And also, um, as, a, as a driver or a paramedic or anybody, sometimes you have to look at the rule and go, I can't, this is a, this is a, a policy I can't follow right now. I have to, in good conscience, take this into my own hands and break this rule. Is it going to get me in trouble? Yeah, maybe, but I'll deal with that after because I may have found uh, found somebody that really needed my help. It's an ongoing thing. It was a, a you know uh, Alderman Bar- Mark Barkowski, who is the chair of the city's ambulance service, was very very uh, upset with Curtis Ambulance's comments and the crew's actions he said i think it's just uh it's pathetic that we didn't make the effort to get out of the vehicle what was the cost of as far as time a minute or two max really turns out in another story they it said it was quoted as saying that the ambulance was in the intersection for about four minutes but if you didn't get out what were you doing for four minutes so there's there's still a lot of questions all right we have a lot of questions here too on WTMJ Nights. One is, what am I going to do after this week? But we'll answer that question. And uh, I have to, Matt, you're going to, I have to share a story with you because you called me on something last week and I can't remember if it was on the air or not. But um, I know this, I told the story on the air, but you had asked me another question off. We'll get to all of that as we start heading toward the final bell here at WTMJ Nights. Oh my gosh. I don't know if I want to cry or slow dance with some girl in a bar right now with this song. Yes, it is WTMJ Nights, and it is uh, the final night that Matt will be working with me here on WTMJ Nights. I am, uh, Matt is off tomorrow, and he's back Thursday, but I am off Thursday because I am emceeing a uh, big event for the Chicago St. Patrick's Day Parade, so I will not be here Thursday. So this is our final show together, and uh, to say it's uh, rough is an understatement. Matt has been a uh, valuable part of this program since he uh, joined the show, and uh, we we talk privately about this, so I'm not uh, surprising him. I'm not trying to bring him to tears. I'm very excited. I'm going to let Matt tell you what he's going to be doing but uh, I'm very excited for him, for you, Matt, and very happy for your opportunities that are coming. Uh, I am sad to see you go. Uh, it's I'm very fortunate in this position right now because I have Matt and Tommy that uh, I work with. And both of these guys get what I 
do here on the show, get the tone of the show, get what the the show is about, and have been really big contributors to the show. So I am, uh, while I'm very happy for Matt, I am sad to see him go. So what are you, what are you going to be doing, Matt? You, you're going, you're abandoning me. I'm going to make it as dramatic as possible. Uh, you're leaving. You got a bigger, better deal, which wouldn't be hard. Let's be honest. Uh, so where you go? What are you doing? What's up? Uh, I wish I could play the fight song over the air right now. I couldn't find it in time, but <laughs> I'm extremely privileged to take on an increased role with Illinois Wesleyan Titan. University Athletics uh, down in Bloomington, Illinois, along with a few other schools around the Chicagoland, uh, Central Illinois area um, to continue my goal and pursuit of becoming a play-by-play broadcaster. Uh, They've been uh, really good throughout the process, and I'm excited to have an expanded role. I'm going to Terribly miss my time here at WTMJ, and I already told you this over the phone, Brian, so it's not a shocker to bring you to tears, but (laughs) I've worked on probably, I don't know, six to eight shows during my time here, and uh, don't get me wrong, I love all of them. Working with all the hosts here have been fantastic, but there's no show where I walk out of it feeling better than I walk in. You could be having the worst day. Murphy's Law could happen to you during the day, and you turn on WTMJ nights. Your day will be better, no matter what we talk about. We could talk about, honestly, the most depressing stuff in the world. Like a woman dying in a snowdrift. Exactly, exactly. Like, that's something that typically should not make your day, not make your day any better, but the way that you go about the show, the way that you're able to entertain, the way you're able to make people smile, myself included. Lastly, we're getting a call, so I'll take in just a second, but (laughs) as a younger professional in the sports broadcasting, radio broadcasting industry, it means a lot, and I'll let Tommy speak for himself, Um, but to have the extensive on-air opportunities as a younger person trying to make it in this industry is is huge. It, it means a lot to me. I'm sure it means a lot to everybody else. And to have that conversational aspect, and especially with the fans as well, it's it's huge. So thank you. Well, you're very welcome. And trust me, if, if you weren't able to contribute, I wouldn't have talked to you as much. That's uh, You've proven yourself to be very good at bring, at rolling with what I throw at you and then coming in with stuff that can add to the conversation, especially when it comes to the sports stuff. And it's been fun listening to you uh, regale us with your tales of high school football games that you got to call. So this is a great, uh, great opportunity for you to continue doing next-level play-by-play stuff, which I'm sure will continue to lead to uh, other things down the road. Uh, so... You know, you did a great job here, Matt, and we're, uh, I know I'm sorry to see you leave. I'm sure the bosses are sorry to see you leave. Finding good producers is difficult. Uh, keeping them in the night shift is really difficult because, you know, you guys come in. This is the problem that I have with uh, the people I work with. They come, uh, they come in and, uh, 
they're really good. And I'm like, oh, these guys are good. I should probably tell the bosses they're awful because then they'll, uh, they'll hang around. But these guys are too good, and they shine, and so they do what they're supposed to do as young people in their profession. They move on to bigger things. And I wish, uh, you know, I wish Matt nothing but the best. You are going to enjoy this, Matt. If you remember last week, I talked about uh, having to blow up all those basketballs at school. So today, we're going to do our first day of the new unit of uh, basketball, dribbling. And I started out with fourth graders and regulation-sized balls. And some of them weren't uh, dribbling properly. I don't know if there was not a lot of air in there. I, I don't know what was going on with the, with the air. But they, they weren't working. So... Before my afternoon classes, I went back in and I fired up this air compressor, and that's a mistake. Uh, I, the the gauge on there, I don't know how, if it was working, I don't know. But I was just putting a little more air into the big balls. Then I have the small basketballs to use for the kindergarten, first, and second graders. And I was like, well, these balls probably need some more air, too. Uh, and so I pumped those all up. But I didn't really, I just like gave them, well, you know what I'll do? I'm going to give these uh, like four seconds of air. Coming out of a giant Goodyear air compressor, that's probably way more air than they ever needed. Well, it actually was. Because um, <laughs> I had the mini basketballs in two giant duffel bags. And when I opened one of the duffel bags, right on top, that first uh, mini basketball had exploded. And I was like, oh, man, that's not good. So I quickly toss that in the trash. And then the kindergartners are dribbling. I go through the whole, the whole explanation. This is what we're going to work for. This is how I want you to do it. Uh, let's practice a little bit. And about two minutes in to the kindergartens, the kindergartners dribbling, I hear this explosion. Another basketball had exploded. I'm like, oh no. This isn't good. So I said, all right, everybody stop. Stop, stop, stop. Come stand in line with your basketball. And I ran into my office and I got one of the needles that you use to inflate a basketball. I didn't hook it onto anything. And I just was letting air out of all the all the kids' basketballs because I was like, oh, no. Uh, and I got them all, you know, deflated a little bit, just enough where, you know, they, they were using them and it was fine. But then I see... The, I see the principal, and I'm like, hey, do you know uh, how to use this compressor? He's like, eh, I, I kind of have to teach myself. He goes, why, was that the big the big blast we heard? <laughs> I was like, yeah. So the whole school, or at least that part of the building, heard the basketball explode. The weird part is nobody came to look. It wasn't really. It wasn't like, oh my God, there's been an explosion in the gymnasium. We better go see if Mr. Noonan and the children are still alive. It was like, wow, that was a big noise. What's Noonan doing now? So I figured you would enjoy a man because you had said to me, "Are all the PSIs correct?" <laughs> and I, I boldly said, "Yes, I know how to uh -oh. blow up basketballs. I, I really do know how to blow up basketballs." Literally. I've never heard basketball pop before. Not is that a three? Did you did the basketball explode in front or behind the three point arc? Uh, it, it was well. They, I, she wasn't. We weren't really. We were just kind of spread around the gym, practicing just dribbling. I was about to say because that'll impact how many points you get. Well, 
if we if we go from where I was standing as the the I'd say it was past half court. Okay, so we're looking at a nice half court heave here. Yeah, <laughs> exploding basketball. She and all the kids were like, "Oh, what happened?" None of them are going to play basketball again. No, they uh, yeah, they all went back to it. But the girl whose whose basketball exploded just walked up and she's holding it like a broken egg, and she's like, "It's like the Sandlot when they busted the guts out of the baseball." Exactly, or the natural when when he hits the skin off the ball. Ow. she thought she had done it. She thought she had dribbled so hard because I said when you're dribbling, you want to push that ball into the floor. So she thought, "Man, I'm pretty strong for a kindergarten girl." <laughs> I, expl- I exploded it. Well, listen. Unfortunately, that is our time for the night, Matt. I want to wish you all the best. You know, I uh, you know I have uh, complete confidence in you. You know, if you need anything from me, please feel free to reach out. Thank you for all you've been doing uh, while you've been with the show. And uh, thank you for listening and being part of the program. I will talk to you tomorrow night at 7. Matt, enjoy uh, enjoy your last couple nights here at WTMJ. I know we'll talk down the road. Oh, yeah. Appreciate everything, Brian. Take care. News is next. WTMJ.